It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap ball. Hand off Jacobs. That's the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Climbs the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Devontae at the 25. Breaks away 20. 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown, Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Happy New Year, everyone. Thanks for coming back to the flagship of the Raiders, Raider Nation Radio. If you're listening in Vegas on 920 or on the Raiders mobile app. Hope you have a great 2023. We're not done with football. There's one more game. Uh, last night, the NFL flexed the Raiders to Saturday instead of Sunday. So pretty interesting Saturday of football. The Raiders will play at 1.30 local time at Allegiant Stadium against, I think, the best team in football other than the Bills. I predicted the Bills to win the Super Bowl. It's either going to be Bills or Kansas City in my mind. So you have an amazing opportunity to see a big-time performance and hopefully the Raiders can end the year with a victory. I think it's an important game for the culture. Uh, Josh McDaniels, you'll hear a little bit of it uh, later on this hour, probably at the bottom of the hour, five or six minutes from his press conference today. When you talk about culture and winning and this organization, pride and poise, commitment to excellence, John Madden, Tom Flores, the success they had, you better finish out the season on a high note. You better play hard, which hasn't been an issue all year. Hasn't been an issue all year, but the last game of the year is different when you're eliminated from the playoffs than maybe two or three weeks ago or three or four weeks ago. I think the Raiders will play as hard as they can possibly play because of the pride of the boys and what's expected. But they got to show up against Kansas City because they could have beat the 49ers. They lost to the 49ers in dramatic fashion. And what would have happened if they beat the 49ers in overtime? That would have been at least the Mount Rushmore top four win in Las Vegas Raider history. Even though the team's not in the playoffs, it would have been that big of a deal. And they were close. They had the ball in overtime, and they were starting a drive. They were starting a drive before the final interception. Look, the Niners could have won that regulation. They miss a field goal. That happens. I was impressed with Jarrett Stidham. I was very impressed with Jarrett Stidham. Not to the point where I'm going to crown him, as Dennis Green said. You want to crown him? Then crown his ass. I'm not crowning him the starter for the Raiders next year. I mean, I would have to be taken out in a straitjacket if I said that. If you had to make me choose between Tom Brady and Jarrett Stidham, Aaron Rodgers and Jarrett Stidham, or potentially C.J. Stroud or one of these top quarterbacks, that's where the debate comes in. Do the Raiders need a quarterback in the draft for the first time in a decade, or do they have their quarterback in Jarrett Stidham? I think uh, he's still going to be on display in this Kansas City game if he can go out and play at a high level. Want your opinion for the rest of the hour we have Harry Ruiz coming up momentarily, but start dialing so I can get you up after the interview. We want to know what you think. What does your gut feeling tell you about Jared Stidham today? After the game last night, if you went and watched on TV, is he your guy? Do you think he could be your guy? Or do you think the Raiders should have much bigger, bolder plans at the quarterback position? I'm led to believe that Josh McDaniels doesn't care about the name of the quarterback on the back of the jersey. He cares about his playbook being run more efficient. And I think his playbook, Tom Brady wasn't a mobile quarterback. Derek Carr wasn't a mobile quarterback. Yesterday, we saw the mobility of Jared Stidham, and it jumped out at me. There were a couple of plays there where he moved outside the pocket and made big throws. And that's something that Derek didn't do a lot of. Derek's done it before. I mean, we've seen Derek 
in chaos, step up in the pocket and throw it, extend the play. But we didn't see it a lot this year, especially at the end. And with Stidham, I thought that Stidham did that. Harry Ruiz called the game, the Latino voice of the silver and black. So, Harry, I'll start with you. What does your gut feeling tell you about the future of Jared Stidham, considering all the chatter on the you know, car leaving the organization and what they might need to do next year? Good morning, JT. Thanks for having me again. And, I mean, Jared Stidham, at least, he earned himself another week to leave more impressions with both the front office, with the coaching staff, and with the fan base, with the Raider Nation, which, honestly, yesterday going into the game, I didn't have high expectations, and I was like, let's see what we can get. And from the opening drive, the finishing drive, and the regulation, he did things where he opened my eyes, and I was like, yeah, you know what? That's way better than what I expected. That's way better than what I thought could happen. And he hung up 34 points on the best defense in the league he almost had 400 yards between his passing and rushing so at least now somebody asked me on social media has he earned the the opportunity of being the starter for the Raiders next year I'm like I don't know I don't think he has earned it yet but at least he has earned himself another shot to keep impressing the front office and the coaching staff next week that's for sure yeah I think that's great analysis by you that's exactly what he did he 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 got people thinking about the ability of him to play at a high level at a very high level going into next year. He's in the conversation, and that's what he's got to do. And, and one game doesn't blow me away, and two games won't blow me away. I'm assuming he's going to be back in a backup role or potentially competing for a starting position, quarterback to a star rookie, if it's Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or a player like that. But you know, Harry, what I thought about when I walked out of the building last night is if you had a pick tonight between Jimmy Garoppolo coming in and Jared Stidham, Maybe I'd go Jared Stidham. I think he'd look like Jimmy Garoppolo, but more mobile. That's how I saw it. Yeah, no, and you add the situation of Jimmy G's injuries, and mm. I would prefer going with Jared Stidham, which, in my opinion, too, should be a more manageable contract. He looked great yesterday, but I don't think he earned himself a $25-plus-million-a-year contract. So, in my opinion, it should be a manageable contract if the Raiders decide to go that way. And who knows? You look over at what happened in New England when Bill Belichick went in the first year. Losing season, the next year where they go with a younger guy, and they end up becoming a legacy, winning six mm-hmm. Super Bowls. Yeah. What if the Raiders go in with a younger guy, an unknown commodity, and he ends up doing better things than the previous player? So it's... It's all big question marks right now, but I'll tell you this, JT. I liked what I saw. Harry Ruiz is our guest. Love the job he did all year long. Got one more game coming up here on the flagship, on the Latino flagship and the job he does here. Great broadcast, great call. And I enjoy everything he does with us on the show as we kick him off. My first guest. You're my first guest of the new year on the flagship. Oh, appreciate so you, that, JT. <laughs> yes, Thank you, yes. man. El primero. Thank you, my friend, mi amigo. You are right out of the gate. So. I look at the defense. The defense is almost. I, I let me let me guard myself here. <laughs> I think I think the defense needs a complete overhaul. They did that with Gus Bradley. They're going to have to do it now with Patrick Graham if he stays as coordinator because I think they respect him, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels as the guy. But this year, I don't know what to say. I don't like the scheme. I don't like the soft coverage. The middle of the field has never been figured out. You think, okay, it's two weeks, and then they clean it up. They can't clean it up. They don't have the players who can do bump and run and hang with receivers without getting help 
And I think the safeties play too deep. So when the ball goes up in the air, they got to pick up 10, 15 yards just getting to the ball. They don't want to get burned over the top. How do you see this defense improving, especially with Kansas City coming in? They got the playbook. Andy Reid goes into his office and grabs the playbook of the Raider defense every year. And Kelsey, what's Kelsey going to have? Two touchdowns or three? 110 yards, 95 yards and two touchdowns? Every single time. So I want to see this defense do something different in this game against Mahomes. Absolutely. And, I mean, looking into the future, JT, a complete makeover is pretty much what the Raiders need in defense. Mm -hmm. They have very few pieces that are fitting the scheme of Patrick Graham. But at the same time, you look over at the situation and you would have gone if they changed directions, which I doubt, which there are fans who want it, but I look at it this way. You would go from Paul Gunther to Gus Bradley to Patrick Graham to another defensive coordinator in the fourth year. If you have changes that often, you can't be hoping to have consistency. So if you come into the next year with Patrick Graham still at the charge of this defense and bringing the pieces that he wants, I think there could be a possibility for improvement. Coming into this final game, heck, you're going to go from facing Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, to Patrick uh, Mahomes, who has done a fantastic job in his time in the NFL. So it's going to be a big change in ability from quarterbacks. He has great offensive weapons and this Raiders defense is banged up they're missing a lot of pieces they're missing Devon Diablo Denzel Perryman Rocky Yassin Chandler Jones I'm, I just named four starters right there but the guys that are in there heck they're playing for their futures in the NFL so they have to go out there leave it all on the field and hopefully allow less than 37 points and give the Raiders a chance to win Harry Ruiz is our guest so I was fascinated to see Devontae yesterday and that catch he made that he held on to it going to the ground. They reviewed it. The touchdown when Stidham took that big hit to the face I, I got right back up and Devontae scored. What could have been a year for Devontae? I'm just, I want to be glasses half full here, but the New Orleans game where I think he only had one reception, the Jacksonville game in the second half, and the Pittsburgh game also in the second half. I'm just wondering if Devontae could have even extended his lead by a lot over Tim Brown for most receiving yards in a season because those couple of games where he didn't get targeted in the second half were troublesome. Absolutely. It could have been a 2,000-yard season for Devontae yeah, Adams in those uh, low games that he didn't get enough stats. He didn't get enough targets and catches. It was amazing, but you can say that same thing about Josh Jacobs. You could say the same thing about Max Crosby. The three guys had fantastic seasons for the Raiders. Unfortunately, so far, it's a six-win season. At best, it'll be a seven-win season. And the silver and black, that's, that shows you that there's holes in the roster. You have superstar players who are some of the best in the league in their positions. The three of them got chosen to the Pro Bowl despite not having the fan support like other teams showed with the voting process because the coaches and the players selected them. The guys that know the most in the league gave them those votes and put them in the Pro Bowl because they recognize the talent. Now let's hope that the Silver and Black next year with Adams and Crosby who are under contract and hopefully with the returning Josh Jacobs can surround them with more players. Same thing as Adams said after the game. It's like, hey, Jared Stidham, he doesn't have to apologize. we got to give him more time to throw the ball. we got to catch more of his passes. we got to give him more opportunities to be able to win this game. 
go over to the defense, and you got to be able to put more pressure on a quarterback. It's been, what, three games in a row without a sack? Mm-hmm. you got to be able to disrupt the game plan and give them less time, and maybe there's less opportunity so they can do damage. So more pieces around this team, and you'll be able to give Devontae Adams that 2,000-yard season. You'll be able to give Josh Jacobs a chance to break the record and hopefully Max Crosby uh, become the next guy after Greg Townsend with the most sacks in the silver and black. Harry Ruiz, as we wrap it up, so what do you think we should expect from Derek this week? I know his brother tweeted something out on NFL Network, and they're going to start talking coming up here. And I think this is a big moment for Derek, who's typically taken the high road. And he has. He's taken the high road. He doesn't do any media, much media anymore. He doesn't do any media with us. We're the in-house media guys. Didn't do really anything with us. I was the last to speak to him when he, when he signed his... Uh, contract extension. I know he did one hit after one of the games in the tunnel afterwards, but I, I wonder what Derek's going to say about his time here, where he stands on a potential no-trade clause, what could happen for his career going forward. Are you optimistic he's going to say all the right things like I hope he does? I hope so, I, and I think he will. He's not that kind of guy that uh, has gone out there and despite, like, for example, I'm okay with him blocking fans on social media or black blocking reporters on social media it's like hey that's your social media i prefer him blocking people than just going out there like kevin durant and bashing fans and bashing media it's like not just uh, be able to walk away from the situation in a positive manner and i think that once he gets a microphone and gets the platform to be able to say what he thinks i i don't i will never expect Derek carr to be the kind of guy that will bash an organization or bash a fan base or do anything he'll just say his his piece and say what he thinks and i honestly think if this was the last that we've seen from Derek carr i wish him the best and i think he will be able to be successful at an organization that he would be able to choose because that no trade clause that's the key for him to be able to pick wherever he goes All right, Harry, last one. Give me something you're really optimistic. It's 2023 for the Raiders. It's going to be a really long offseason. I'm not not going into the gutter and doing just garbage radio where we're just going to speculate. I'm not. I'm on to LeBron James. I'll be talking about the Super Bowl, other topics here. There's not going to be a heavy dose of speculation for me until we start seeing them knocking down deals and signing players or you get in draft, whatever they're going to do here. What do you think is something positive that the Raiders can build on after this Kansas City game, hopefully a win? I've always been a glass-half-full kind of guy, JT, yes. not only in sports but in my life. And you look at all these close defeats that it's been, what, nine one-possession losses for the Raiders this season. If the ball bounces once in their favor or if you get an extra first down in the Pittsburgh game, in other games that they've faced, it could have been a completely different season. And, yes, it's frustrating to get some of those one-possession losses where the team could definitely have done better both on offense and defense. But I feel that this team has taken steps forward to not only be competitive, but in the future, if you have an extra piece or two in either side of the ball, those balls can bounce in their favor. So I, that's the way I'm looking at it. Yes, a lot of people are pissed off at Josh McDaniels, but this is year one. Hopefully year two, you take a step forward and you get into the postseason and then you become a contender and then you're one of those teams that other fan bases are talking about where you face them and you're like, oh, this is going to be a tough game. This might be a loss. So that's the way I'm looking at it. This team, despite the record, I think Mm -hmm. they've taken a step forward and it's only been one defeat where the team has been completely out of it the whole game, New Orleans. 
besides that, every mm-hmm. game the team has been in it. Yeah, so I'll see you Saturday in J-Lot. Our buddy Joe, unfortunately, missed this game, but he'll have the carne asada ready. I mean, oh, I don't yeah. go in now without that carne asada. He brings it all the way. It's marinated for days there. It's beautiful on the grill. I look forward to that. When I get up uh, Sunday usually, but Saturday now, i got to get ready for the J-Lot and some carne asada. JT, right now I'm at a Mexican restaurant in downtown in my car doing this hit. Inside the restaurant, there's 50 Raider Nation members off the hook, hooked it up, and she's hosting everybody, Gorilla Rilla, folks from all over California from the East Coast. So I was like, yes, I'll go, but at 1 o'clock i got to go with my man JT. But, yes, I'm going to get that carne asada out there at J-Lot on Saturday. Take care, my friend. I'll talk to you. See you this week. Feliz Año Nuevo, JT. There's Harry Ruiz, your Latino voice. Of the silver and black. Yeah, Chris in West Oakland was waiting. He had a hell of a tailgate, too, with his whole crew, a lot of shrimp. Chris, you did a lot of seafood at your tailgates, which always impressed me, on top of the carne asada and the great food. You guys always had a seafood edge to your tailgate. We did, but we always did a theme, you know, barbecue. We do ribs one week, um, you know, seafood. We do deep-fried turkeys around Thanksgiving. We always had a theme, but you're right. Calvin, uh, you know, him and his brother are kind of the ringleaders. Always had a seafood, a gumbo, deep-fried lobster tail, and, I, man, I miss those days. I, I really do. I was thinking about that yesterday. But let me hit, by the way, really good listening to Harry Ruiz. I like some of his insight. I want to make a quick comment about Derek Carr, um, about what's, what I think's coming up this week. I think two things can be true, JT. Carr's been nothing but classy. I know he's been frustrated having to deal with some of the defenses and some of the stuff over the years. He's never bashed the organization. I think he's always been a classy, loyal guy, and I think he will be here. I don't think he's going to take unnecessary shots, even though I know he's unhappy the way it's going to, the way it's played out. However, I also believe fully his agent and him are not going to do the Raiders any favors. It's going to be release me, pay me, or you know we're not going to do what's best for the Raiders. We're going to do what's best for Derek Carr going forward, whether it be a trade because the Raiders are in a hell of a situation. They would, one, have to trust the team, even if Derek did okay a trade somewhere. Then if they back out, they're on the hook for $40 million for him. Or a team could say, well, look, the Raiders aren't going to pay Carr $40 million and bench him. We'll just wait for his release and sign him there. So going to be very interesting, but I fully expect Derek Carr to take the high road. Um, as far as the game yesterday, before I comment on Stid, what I think Stidham, let's be honest, it nothing changes. As well as he played yesterday, JT, the bottom line, this defense cannot make stops. Every game they get a double-digit lead and the team goes into desperation mode, the Raiders are powerless to stop the pass. I agree with Harry Ruiz 100% about the changing coordinators over and over. It's been 20 seasons since the Raiders have finished higher than 20th in defense, yet we've had 12 different coordinators. It's It's not the coaching, it's the players. Our safety suck because they keep drafting the same guy over and over. That's why the middle of the field is always open. And a perfect microcosm of the Raiders season and the difference between them and the Niners, the one interception that was overturned, it ricocheted three or four times, and you had three Niner defenders around the ball. The one ball that Ayuk ended up catching, even Eric Allen said, the ball bounces you know, 20 feet in the air. Four Raiders are in the area, and not one of them's looking to see where the ball is. Eric Allen said last night, "That's a ball that's got to be intercepted." Yes. They need to change their they need to change their philosophy going forward and get ball hawks and guys that can find the ball. Those are the important guys on the field, not not the coach on the sideline. Now let's get to Stidham. 
Guy played great yesterday. He really did. I mean, you know, he made a couple of bad throws and mistakes. But playing against the number one defense, I don't think you could have asked anymore. But people pump the brakes. I've heard people say, oh, pay him now. He's there. The guy deserves another shot. I also think if the Raiders go with Stidham next year going forward, JT, that kind of makes them believe they're in full-on rebuilding mode. We're not one player away. Tom Brady, Father Time's caught up with. I don't really want Tom Brady because the Raiders aren't one player away. Now, if you can pry Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay, I think that's a viable option. But before people get carried away about Stidham, and as great as he looked, Matt Flynn, Matt Schaub, Scott Mitchell, the NFL is littered with guys that had a game or two great, and they get a big contract, and they turn out to be busts. I'm not saying that's about Stidham, but let's pump the brakes a little bit because as well as he played yesterday – Yesterday's game was almost a nine-year microcosm of Derek's car career, car's career. Played really well to brilliant at times, but at the end of the day, no matter what he did, he could not overcome an absolutely god-awful defense. And finally this. He's been my whipping boy for two years. Let's get rid of Trayvon Merrick now. I challenge anybody that in his two years with the Raiders, name me one single play this guy's ever made that anybody remembers. I know it's one guy. But to me, that's kind of like the face of the Raiders' problems. That type of player. A safety that never play makes a play, never knows what the ball is. Keep Max Crosby and give me 10 new starters on defense. That's where the Raiders need to start. Thank you, my friend. Happy New Year to everybody out there. I hope everybody was safe. Talk to you later, brother. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it. Well, I don't think they're not going to get 10 new starters, but Max is the cornerstone of that defense. If Perryman recovers well, guy takes his shirt off. He's got a 30-pack, not a 12-pack. I got to think if he could be healthy, he, he gets welcome back. And then you're right. I mean, there are a lot of guys. I don't know what's going to happen, but there could be seven new starters on defense, and that's hard to do. That means you got to get two in the draft because normally you draft guys on defense. They don't start. They get developed and all that. But you got to get two starters on defense, and you got to get two in free agency. That's a lock. I guarantee you Dave Ziegler gets two defensive starters in free agency. Guaranteed, as Barkley would say, lock of the year. So those are four new defenders that are going to come in via the offseason. And then we'll see what the rest of them. And before Chris wants to throw dirt on Tom Brady, 432 yards, 34 of 45, three touchdowns, no interceptions. As long as Brady doesn't get hit, Brady's fine. Okay, Brady starts getting hit at the end of his career, and you see him going down like Tua and standing up not knowing where he is. That's a different story. Tom Brady's fine. And Tom Brady could have been here two, three years ago. Could have been, according to Dana White. Now, a lot went into that with John Gruden and Derek Carr and the owner and the contracts and all of that. But if I put every single Raider fan on God's green earth, if I put you all in the hot tub time machine, it would have to be the size of Wet Republic. But if I put you all in the hot tub time machine and said, let's go back years ago, would you take Brady? (laughs) Yeah, you'd all take Brady. You'd all take the goat just so you'd have his jersey in your closet and, and could go to a Tom Brady game here in Vegas. I'm not saying Brady's coming by no means. But this won't be the show that says, well, he's getting a little older. Man, he can't make all the throws. Stop it. Stop it, please. The greatest player of all time ending his career in the silver and black. If that happened, talk about a Raider rally. Talk about going to a sports bar. Talk about being excited. And I don't know if he's going to come back and even play. I don't know if he wants to play anymore. I think this Fox gig is a joke. He's not going to be any good at that. I mean, I think he could be okay. He's not going to be Peyton Manning. You see Peyton Manning on the Manning cast? You see Tony Romo? 
Chris Collinsworth, Brady's going to go and be the number one guy on Fox and say what? He wants to play. And he's working through a divorce, too, which I think he's got a lot of pride in the fact that that relationship ended and he still wants to be great. But if he walks away, if the Raiders kick the side and kind of kick Brady and say, hey, come on in here, let's, let's show you the new facility. Let's show you a couple things. Let's go have dinner at the top of this restaurant. Let's go drive out. Let's go drive out to a couple of neighborhoods you never heard of. Let's put you in the summit over in Summerlin. Even though JT doesn't play there and doesn't get in, but it's right next to me. Come on and see the summit. Come see Shadow Creek where you've played before. Go, go play golf at Wynn and play whenever you want. Yeah, Tom Brady might, might be that, but it could be Jarrett Stidham, the starter. There's going to be a lot, man. There's going to be so much happening in this offseason, and we're going to have to try to keep we're going to have to kind of keep track of it all. You know, a lot to keep track of. All right, I'm open until the top of the hour. Okay, we just had Harry on Monday. Bobby and I are going to have to change that in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, I'm not going to do two hours with one guest unless it's ne- uh, necessary. we got a lot of football as we go to the Super Bowl. Raider Nation Radio going to the Super Bowl. We're going with the Raiders because the Raiders are going to let everybody know in, in, in a big way. They're going to know in a big way that the Raiders are hosting the Super Bowl next year. Jay in Vegas, I can get you up before the bottom of the hour. Go ahead, Jay. Hey, what's up, JT, man? Thanks for taking my call uh, and wishing you and your family a happy new year, man. You too. Thank you. Thanks, man. Hey, man, the way you sound, <laughs> the way you talk about Tom Brady, man, maybe they should uh, uh, get you as a chaperone, man. Maybe you could steal the deal for him. <laughs> get him up in the helicopter and show him what I know. That's for sure. No doubt. <laughs> I think you're the man for that, man. Uh, well, as it pertains, man, for the quarterbacks, JT, uh, personally, man, I think we should go young. We should go young, JT, and uh, whether it's keeping Stidham or seeing if we can uh, find a way to move up and, and get, uh, you know, draft a quarterback. I, I like what I saw from C.J. Stroud. I know uh, Ohio State quarterbacks got, a, got bad reps, but, man, what I saw from that kid, man, he, he, he did really good. And I think maybe uh, we should maybe take, take our shot and see if we can find a way to get that guy. And, and I say it because, you know, um, I think Josh McDaniels, he needs uh, a, a young player um, that he could have full control over and that he can mold um, that player to uh, in the image that he wants this offense to look and run. And I, I think uh, for that, you have, to, you have to go young and use that money that, you know, you're not going to pay Derek Carr mm-hmm. to fill other holes, and especially that defense, JT. Um, the only thing I'll push back on, uh, Chris from West Oakland, on the Aaron Rodgers, and for that matter, Tom Brady, too. I think those quarterbacks are, are real accomplished, and, you know, rightfully so, they work for that. Uh, I think they'll give Josh McDaniels too much pushback and and that's the reason why I think, uh, you know, maybe we should go younger to where, you know, uh, Joshua Daniels will have full control over um, what those players do. Um, thanks again, JT. Yeah, I, I think Josh McDaniels has a lot of control. Another thing that Josh McDaniels doesn't get credit for, and, and coaches shouldn't want to get credit for this. They all want to make the playoffs, but the team has been together all year. It's pretty emotional. I mean, I was on the sidelines before the game with CC Sabathia, talked to him for a little bit. And a lot of people, there were a lot of four jerseys. Champions Club, I popped through, went up to the Twitch Lounge, was over at the Torch in the third quarter. Saw a lot of Derek Carr jerseys and fans that were loyal to him, but they were bigger. They wanted the team to win and Jared Stidham. They wanted Stidham to win the game. As much as they love Derek and they wish Derek would stay, they, they're Raider fans. They just want to win the game, especially against the 49ers. A lot of Raider fans who put up with that Niner crowd yesterday would have loved to have left with the win there. And it was pretty close. We'll look at some of the sound bites from the game on the other side, go through that. We'll hear from you. Today's pretty much about Jared Stidham. It is a short week. We'll be here this week, the whole week, and it'll be Kansas City. We're going to treat this week like we do every week. 
Monday's the aftermath of the loss or win. Tuesday, we kind of start talking about the other team. Wednesday, we're fully into Kansas City. Tuesday, I host Roundtable with Q and Lincoln. Thursday, I interview the coach. Last week of the year where we follow the grid before we head into the offseason. You know, I, I didn't feel like I had, you know, really any nerves um, at all this week. Um, you know, perspective has changed um, a lot over the years, and um, it's not worth stressing over um, and getting, you know, all uptight. So I just want to go out there and, and play free today and, um, you know, try and try and facilitate the offense uh, in a way to win. Um, and, you know, we just, we just fell short a little bit. That's Jared Stenham coming off the game. Raiders losing overtime. He played well. We're spending most of the show talking about him and what happens next. What happens next in his career? What do you do next in his career with him? What chances do you think he has to be the starter, to be the starter long-term for this team? What he has going for him is obvious to me. He knows the playbook. He's got a great relationship with Josh McDaniels, the head coach, and he's price right. You know, you don't have to pay him a lot of money, period, and, you know, you got to spend a lot of money on other positions. That's the upside with Jared Stidham. The second part of it is, well, what happens if he's your starter? What does that mean? Who's your backup? What happens if Stidham gets hurt and you have a quarterback underneath him? What, what kind of season are you going to have? So Stidham is a great insurance policy to me right now as a potential starter next year because if he isn't the starter and the Raiders are able to get a elite quarterback, not a good quarterback, Right? They should only be into getting an elite quarterback. Aaron Rodgers is a $50 million a year guy. Carr's 40. Would you, pen, would you spend 10 more million on Aaron Rodgers for two to three years than you would over Carr? Yeah, I'll kick into that fund, wherever it is. Tell me. But I don't know if he's available, nor does he want to leave. Same thing with Tom Brady. It sounds like now Tom Brady could be interested in a move out of Tampa Bay, but we don't know that to be the case. But he has a relationship with Dave Ziegler and clearly a good one with Josh McDaniels. So that conversation will be out there. Let's take a look at some of the sound bites that become the highlights of the game as we go through what happened yesterday. Darren Waller getting the Raiders going. Very important. Waller's future with the team and what role he'll play going forward. He seems to be back 100% healthy. Snap. Play action. Stidham rolling out to the right. Towards the end zone to Waller. Makes the ground with the two. Touchdown Raiders. Jared Stidham's first drive as a starter. And it winds up in the end zone on a 24-yard pass to the near corner to Darren Waller. As I always say, throw the ball in the end zone. How many times am I bleeping tweeting that? Throw it in the end zone. That was to the two-yard line. Get the ball near the end zone which is critical there. I think the Raiders' strength, and Josh Jacobs is having a brilliant season, is Waller in the red zone. Waller's got to be more productive. So that was right out of the gate, 7-0. The Ayuk touchdown pass, they went eight plays, 67 yards in 434. Raiders end that quarter with a Carlson field goal. Then we get to the second quarter where the Niners take the lead. George Kittle did not have a big play, but this drive was 13 plays, 75 yards. It ate up over seven minutes. Here's the Kittle touchdown. Purdy in an empty set out of the gun. Snap. Back to pass. Crosby giving chase. Purdy rolls out to the left. Throws towards the end zone. Back pylon. It's caught. 
George Kittle streaking across the back of the end zone. Got both feet down before four into the turf. That's a nice call. Jason Horowitz on all these calls. Compass Media Network. Then Devontae had back-to-back touchdowns, which is very impressive here for Devontae Adams and what he's able to do. Devontae, the best receiver in all of football in his absolute prime. And I thought he had great chemistry with Stidham. Two on the play clock. They get the snap. They only bring four. Stidham in the pocket. Gets out of there. Eyes downfield. Flag flies. He's drilled as he throws. Open Adams at the 35. Racing to the 20. 10. Touchdown Raiders. Stenham was drilled as he threw it and found a wide open Devontae Adams for if it stands a 60 yard touchdown. It was a 60 yard touchdown. Now let's stop right there. 24 to 14. Right there. 24 to 14. Third quarter, 10 22. You got to go win the game, everybody. You're up double digits in the second half. You knew the Niners were going to come back. You knew the Niners were going to make a game of it. Because Christian McCaffrey is one of the best hybrids I've ever seen in my career. McCaffrey can do it all in the passing game, and this is a 14-yard touchdown run. So first and 10, San Francisco on the Raiders, 14, the right hash. Purdy under center, gives it to McCaffrey, trying the right side, bounces outside 10, cuts inside 5, has the end zone, touchdown San Francisco. Christian McCaffrey on a direct handoff off the right tackle, cut it inside, 14-yard touchdown for San Francisco. And they march right down the field to answer the Devontae Adams touchdown and cut the Raiders' lead to 24-20. Now, that was too easy. Come on, everybody. That's too easy. Extra point, it's 24-21. So the Raiders have the lead going into the fourth quarter. They have a 10-point lead. Then they get to this point here where it's a three-point lead. So they're playing with the lead, and they got to extend on that. Here's the Stidham interception, which was a big one at the time where the Raiders had decent field position. Hollins in motion to the left. Now Stidham brings Abdullah to the left, too. Down to one. Gets the snap. Back to pass. Over the middle. It's batted up in the air, and it's intercepted. Batted up at the line of scrimmage and picked off San Francisco's rookie, Drake Jackson who just waited underneath it like a catcher with a pop-up. Yeah, that was that was on uh, that that hurt because a lot of times that gets knocked down, it gets deflected. You don't see the guy do that and pick it off. So that hurt. So Robbie Gold the 43-yard field goal, then Robbie Gold the 24-yard field goal. That with 6:44 left in the game, they had the lead 27 to 24. Uh, Devontae Adams, these amazing catches. We got three or four with the touchdowns and the plays he made. Here's Devontae again at his absolute best. On the 36 with 153 to go. Two timeouts left. Shotgun snap. He's got time. Fires down the near sideline. Devontae Adams makes an adjustment and holds it in at the 20. Unbelievable grab by Devontae. He got around Lenore and somehow brought it in on his right shoulder while he was falling to the turf. That's one of the best catches I've ever seen. In, inside, in the building, needed the replay. You looked at it as one of the greatest catches I've ever seen. There's a few of them. That's right up there. Devontae is absolutely amazing. And then Josh Jacobs tied it up for the Raiders. This is when you knew it was getting really interesting as the Raiders had a chance to win this game. Here's Jacobs from one yard out. Two tight ends in and a fullback. Snap, handoff, Jacobs trying the middle. He walks in. Touchdown, Raiders. Josh Jacobs with his 12th rushing touchdown of the season. 
And the Raiders are an extra point away from tying this game with 1-11 on the clock. Yeah, and they tied the game. It was looking really good there. But the Niners had an opportunity to win the game. Robbie Gold had a, not a chip shot. We were hoping a lot of fans were up there. A lot of Niner fans were being loud at this point. On top of Raider fans booing and screaming, hoping that he would miss. And he did. It's a 41-yard attempt. If Gold hits it, Raiders are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. There's the snap. No timeout called. Gold heading towards the uprights. He missed it. He missed it wide right on a 41-yard field goal. Yes, let's go to overtime one more time. Yeah, they go to overtime at Allegiant Stadium again. Anybody have the number on that? I should know it, but busy. I'm not counting overtimes today. How many overtime games have the Raiders had at Allegiant Stadium? Remember Miami and the Fitzmagic play? Remember Baltimore and the win? Here's another overtime opportunity. And the interception, Stidham this time, this one hurt because he had Devontae, I think, over the top open. This could have been the game-winning touchdown. Matt Collins goes in motion left to right across the line. Stidham, seven-step drop, eyeing far side for Devontae Adams. It's a duck, and it's picked off by the Niners. Gibson racing down the far sideline with blockers at the 20, the 15, and it's Jared Stidham to knock him out of bounds at the five-yard line. Yeah, that was the killer there. Unfortunate. Uh, Colt Miller got thrown back into him. Uh, Bosa's going up against him. Bosa, again, I have the stats here in front of me. We were talking about it. That's the only play he made the whole game. He had pressures, of course. He had pressures. No doubt he played at a very high level. He's got a motor, but he didn't have a big game. Nor did Max, and Max is double-teamed a lot, just like Bosa. But it was supposed to be a game of the two great defensive ends in football, and they were limited. They were limited in what they could do in this game, and then after that field position, it was just a matter of time. Robbie Gold, he wasn't going to miss again. Malcolm Kuntz blocked a punt a couple of weeks ago against the Patriots. Robbie Gold has had a couple blocked this year. Can they get there? This from 23 yards for the Raiders to try and stay alive. It's off the foot. It is up, and it is through. And the Raiders are eliminated from the playoffs with a 37-34 loss to the Niners in overtime. That's Compass Media Network's Jason and Lincoln on the calls there. So a lot of a lot of drama in that. All of that, taking a look at the stats of the game as we did last night after the game. Raiders had 29 first downs to San Francisco's 27. Both teams had 15 passing first downs and, fifth, and 10 rushing first downs. Incredible there. To see this, how that, how that played out. The Raiders ran 66 total plays to the Niners, 62. Total yards, the Niners, 454, and the Raiders right at 500. 500 yards in this game. You want to talk about how close this game was? 12 drives for the Niners, 11 for the Raiders. Passing yards, 365 to 284, so the Raiders have the advantage there. Then we get to rushing. Niners ran it for 170. McCaffrey's a big-time player, 135 for the silver and black. And penalties, the Niners 9 for 71, the Raiders 6 for 49. And the difference in that game, time of possession, dead even. Raiders 32 minutes, Niners 31 minutes, 7 seconds. And the turnovers, the turnovers were the difference. The Raiders had two, the Niners had one. Two interceptions for the Raiders, one for the 49ers. That was the difference in the game. 37-34 the final as the 49ers head back to Santa Clara, 12-4 and on the year, and they went from the three seed to the two seed, which I said that was a big storyline for me over the last couple of weeks. Who would get the two seed behind Philadelphia? 
It'll be the Niners. The Niners will have to play the NFC Championship game if they get that far. In Philadelphia, can that defense stop Jalen Hurts? Sure it can. Can Brock Purdy play a bunch of playoff games in a row at a high level? I don't think so. He didn't play great against the Raiders, that's for sure, but he made plays when he had to. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. Last call if you want to get in on Jared Stidham. Where do we go from here? 702-365-9200. My wife just said, man, I heard that Charles Woodson commercial, man, with his voice. Yeah, that's Woodson bourbon whiskey. I'd ask you to do one favor in the new year for Charles. If you're a whiskey drinker, go ask for it. Charles wants to get his bourbon whiskey into all these establishments, but you got to ask for it when you get there. And if you don't, if they don't have it, let us know and we'll help out Charles. Stevenson back for Hay. Crowd wants him to shoot. He gets a bump pass back from Stone. Down through the bottom of the left circle. Looking back for Hay. A one-timer. He scores! Euphoria! Nick Hay wins it in overtime! A pump fist to the Raptors. Mobbed by his teammates. Golden Knights 5. Nashville 4. Nick Hay, the overtime winner. Man, I was in the house for that on New Year's Eve day. That was great. That wasn't good. It was great. JT, back with you. Hope everybody's doing well. So I got the call the night before from one of my buddies, Vegas Mixer. Good friend calls me and says, hey, I got one for you. You want to go? I said, yeah, yeah. Looked at my wife. She's like, have a great one. We had plans on New Year's Eve at a friend's house. So I wanted to go to that and got down there about 11 in the morning, stopped by Beer House. Had one going in and went in there. We went up top to Hyde to see Tommy Ippolito. Tommy runs Hyde up there. Fantastic energy. Remember, they're opening that up at 1030 in the morning for a noon game. Get to our seats. They're, they're down 2 nothing in the game. Like, oh, what's going on with the Knights at home? Are the Knights going to win at home? Then all of a sudden they score four unanswered. Nashville scores to tie the game with three seconds. And I, I have it all on my Twitter feed from my view. I'm, no, I'm normally not taking pictures of every play. I'm not that guy, but I'm also that guy that does take a couple of pictures and a couple of videos when it's big moments. So I'm waiting for the Knights to clear the puck. There's 10, 12, 14 seconds to go. I hit my camera on video, and I see the Nashville Predator go back from behind the net to get the puck, and I elbow my buddy, and I go, this is it. This is it. They're going to put it on net. They put it on net, and they tie it. I go, you got to be kidding me. But then you just heard the game-winning goal, Dan Duva, on our flagship station here, and they win the game. And everybody pours out. I forget what time it was, 3, 3.30, around 4 o'clock. Everybody's out on Toshiba Plaza celebrating, hugging, wishing everybody Happy New Year's. I mean, this hockey team brings a tremendous amount of joy to this town. you got to take it to these games and go in there. The place is just, the energy is fantastic. The energy is great in the Legion Stadium, too. But the Knights are playing at a very high level now, even though they've had a tremendous amount of losses at home and dramatic losses this year. So I like where they're at, and I think they're going to get everybody back healthy. What was that, six starters out in that game, if I hear correctly. So the Golden Knights are on top of the Pacific. They have 52 points. Dallas, in the central of the Western Conference, has 52 points. So for the Golden Knights, they are four points ahead of the L.A. Kings 
Uh, they are they're a team now that can do some damage here. They have a clear nine points on the Calgary Frames, the Seattle Kraken. That'll be an upcoming winter classic. And it's just the Stars and the Vegas Golden Knights in the Western Conference playing for that one seed. The Bruins are the best team in hockey with 60 points. They're on top of the Eastern Conference. Carolina's got 56. I think you could sit here and say that the Vegas Golden Knights are a top four or five team in all hockey. And when they get everybody back healthy, that's going to be a lot of fun to see how this plays out. Uh, The bowl games down to the wire here, USC and Tulane. Uh, the bowl season, I'm going to spend a little bit more time on that this week. Georgia, Georgia's lucky to have survived from Ohio State. I thought Ohio State was the better team the entire game. They should have found a way to win. Wow, Tulane just went up on USC, 46-45 to with nine seconds to go. USC, one of the worst defenses I've seen dating back to the Utah game. So they kick off, uh, USC puts down a knee with seven seconds to go. Caleb Williams, the Heisman Trophy winner, will have one last play. One last play here with seven seconds to go. Tulane's ranked 16th, everybody. They're 11-2. and two. So if you had Tulane in this game. But Georgia wins and Michigan. Michigan ends up losing to TCU. TCU's getting 13 and a half points in the national championship game. That might be a game you want to jump on and take the points now as a sharp bookmaker told me in town he expects that number to come pounding down a little bit into the 12s here on what's happening here let me get you the last play of this game 11 and 2 usc 11 and 2 tulane seven seconds left and caleb williams the heisman trophy winner in the shotgun he's lined up at his own five here's the last play he throws it down the sidelines out of bounds two seconds to go this game's pretty much over. This is the Cotton Bowl Classic at Jerry's World there, and USC is about to go down. So we have Georgia and TCU. I think Georgia will win that game. They're a heavy favorite, and they'll have back-to-back championships, back-to-back championships there, and that was a lot of fun. And prayers for Martina Navratilova, the legendary, arguably the greatest female tennis player on the short list all time with Serena and Steffi Graf. She's been diagnosed with throat cancer and breast cancer. A statement was released by her reps. The 18-time winning, 18-time Grand Slam singles champion says, quote, the double whammy is serious but still flexible. I'm hoping for a favorable outcome. USC lateraling the ball back like the Patriots. Constant laterals back, back, and back as the ball is out of bounds and Tulane just wins. Tulane. 46-45 46-45 over USC, and they're rushing out on the field. Thanks to Harry Ruiz. Thanks for Bobby putting the show together. I started off in radio in 1996. If you told me I'd be doing it again in 2023 to start another year on radio, I'm blessed, I'm lucky, I'm fortunate, and I thank our audiences on all the platforms for listening. Chiefs are in town. We'll cover it professionally the way we do all week. A lot of content here. Raiders Roundtable, my conversation with the coach, our insiders, who are all going to join us this week. we got a lot to cover. Q's on deck. He always has a great show. Check me out tonight on Sirius XM 82 from 6 to 9 p.m. Happy New Year, everyone.